we've we've talked over the course of time about being holy and seeking the goal of perfection among other things and I always think when I look at the verse I want to title this about this morning I always think of Aubrey Blue when I when I read it and um, because he would take a little part of a phrase, a phrase or a part of a verse and he would talk on it for a while so let's read Romans chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. And do you think of this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in according with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also to the Greek. But honor, glory, honor and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. So I want us to look really uh, at, at the phrase, the patient continuing continuance in doing good and just think about that as I, as I mentioned when I think of this verse every time I read it I think of Aubrey Ballou and in in, in these th this verse that he quoted time after time after time that it really meant something to him patient continuance in doing good you know there's a lot that could be said what we have to do is strive to do what God wants us to do. We've got to strive to do it. Eternal life, if we want it, is going to take continuing and doing what God said do. Seeking for glory, honor, and immortality. That glory is that exalted state that we would be in after this life is over. And the honor would be, uh, we would think today of a rank or state of, uh, of office which, one's hold, which one holds. But immortality, incorruption. Incorruption and perpetual, perpetuity, it, it never will end. Whether it's good or bad if, you know, after this life is over. But eternal life with God in heaven in that perfect place will never end. I think of the sermon of Peter on, in Acts chapter 2 where God did not allow his Holy One to see corruption. He did not allow him to his body to decay. He, I, but ours will. But we will have a home in which there is immortality, incorruption, and it will last forever. 
But what we have to be do have to be is disposed to do the law of God. We've got to that should be our focus to do His will every day. I think of Joe Shane every now and then when I think of, of doing this every day, day after day. I heard him say something 20, I don't know what years ago. And he said, I made up my mind, said I'd just get up every morning and shave. He said, that's just, I don't even have to make a decision. I just know when I get up in the morning, I'm going to go shave. And so that's similar to the way we ought to be. We ought to get up in the morning and decide, have already decided that my life will be to follow God, that I will do what's right. Patient continuance in doing good. The King James Version would say well-doing. In doing what's right. Conforming my conduct and my life to God's law. That's what it is. In verse 10 it says, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Kind of saying the same thing, isn't it? Somewhat. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Finish that great chapter in Hebrews 11 on the, these, these strong people who by faith persevered. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what we have to do, we have to run with endurance. Lay aside those things which will entangle us, which will slow us down, and run with endurance this race that we're in, if you want to describe it that way. The Hebrew writer did. A race that's not a sprint, but it's a marathon. Forever, for all our lives, that's what we're supposed to do. And so it's a striving to do just those things. Doesn't mean that we're unwilling to give up sin. It does mean that we are willing to give up the sin and do it day after day after day. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 24, he says, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. We have to strive to enter that straight and narrow gate. But there's going to be, Matthew tells there'll be few who find it. Many will seek to enter here in Luke. Many will seek to enter. They won't be able. Because they won't conform themselves to what God wants to do. They won't hang on to what God said do. Continue to do what God said do. In 2 Corinthians 10.5 it says, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, captivity to the obedience of Christ. Another verse I think of Aubrey Blue when I, when I read this is bringing every thought into captivity. Discipline of the mind. 
keep that stuff out that's bad and bring that stuff in that's good. We have a great source, the source, which is God's Word. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 15. I'm going to work back in this set of verses right here. Work back, and then we'll read it the way it's written. But I want you to just think about some things. Hebrews 6, verses 13 through 15. Matter of fact, I got them on the board. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you, and multiply. I will, multiplying I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. God says, I, I'm, I'm giving you some promises. I'm going to make a promise to you. And nothing else, he could, he could make a promise or swear by any greater than himself. So he swore by himself. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. And Abraham said, let's do it. He lived that way. After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. That promise of a son, he's going to get this land. He didn't fully capture all that land, but he knew it was coming. Patiently endured, and then he obtained the promises, the promise. Now, you know what that animal is right there in that photo. That's a sloth. That's what that is. And he's climbing up a vine or climbing up a branch or something right there. But if you've ever watched, watched a sloth, a, a, a video of it, they move so, so it's just it's painful to watch. Is you'll never get to the, where he's going. Never gets there. And so you want to just help him along. Hebrews 6.12 said that you do not become slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises, the King James Version. Don't be slothful. Don't be lazy or sluggish or better yet, don't, eat, don't be inactive. Don't, don't do that. But sometimes we're not very attentive to what it takes to do good. It's not, maybe it's a failing of mine and I just don't think of some things in which I could help. I just, sometimes it just goes right over my head. Sandra sees these little things a lot better than I do that can be done. And in verse 11, he says, and we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Same diligence, not slothful, but the same diligence to the, hope, to the full assurance of hope until the end. Well, what diligence is the Hebrew writer speaking of? Things that accompany salvation. The labor of love toward his, toward God's name. Administering to the saints and do minister. So let's read verse 9, beginning. But beloved... We are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. 
For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. But when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promises, the promise. God won't forget our work. If we do what's right, he, he won't forget that. He won't forget what we do wrong. If we don't live right, he will forgive. But if we have the propensity just to sit, to live in sin, he won't forget that. But here, he will forget. He won't forget our work. He'll forget sins because he forgives sins if we live right and, and do right. But he's not unjust to forget our work, our labor of love, in which they ministered and do minister. They, they're continuing to do what he said do. And they're not sluggish. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so that's, what, that's the way uh, Abraham was. He, in, he inherited, he obtained those promises that he was promised. Now I want us to look at a man. I want us to look at Barnabas for just a minute. Now, there's a lot written about Barnabas, but I'm not going to read everything because it would take too much time. But I think we can see him as an example of the way that we should do things. In in, uh, Acts chapter 4 and verse 36, he's called son of encouragement. Wow, that's small. And it says in Acts 4, 36, And Joseph, who was named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Here's a time when people in Jerusalem, the saints in Jerusalem need help. He owns some property. He sells this property and he gives the proceeds to the elders to be, to be distributed to those who need this is about 33 A.D. The, the Jews are, haven't left, apparently, Jerusalem at that time. And so he's called the son of encouragement or son of consolation. And he sold that land and gave it to those who had need. In Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11, let's read verse 19, beginning. Acts 11, 19 through 26. And those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. 
For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for, for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a, while, a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So here he is. He's sent by the church of, in Jerusalem to Antioch. And so he's, the, while he's there, he encouraged them all to continue with the Lord. And many people were added to the Lord. And then he brought Saul, and for a whole year they taught a great many people. I don't know why I didn't pay attention to the size of the screen when I looked at this a few minutes ago, but nonetheless. So he is, he's there, he's encouraged these people, and he brings Paul, and they stay there and they teach for a year. And this is several years after what we read in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 30, we won't read that. He and Saul took the money that was collected and took it to, the, to Judea, to Judah, Judea, to the saints that needed it during this time of relief that they needed. And he's, he's very busy. He's patiently continuing to do what's right. In Acts chapter 13, He's with Saul, and they were sent out by the Holy Spirit to do the work. So there, they're going again. In Acts chapter 14, they are teaching, and Barnabas is doing most of the teaching, and they are calling he and Saul or Paul, they're calling them gods. And they said, no, 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 it, that's not it. There he is doing the work. In Acts chapter 15, he's one of the ones that was in Jerusalem when, they, when the Judaizing teacher episodes had, had cropped up, that he's one of the ones that went there to, to get this thing straight so people would realize that you don't have to become a Jew. The Gentile didn't have to become Jew so that they could be saved. So he's one of the ones. In... Acts chapter 15, at the end of, after they're ready to leave Jerusalem and they're going off again to visit the churches that they've already started and there's a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas about John Mark. And Paul, John, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him. Paul says, nope, not going to do it. And so they had a great disagreement. And Paul and Silas went, and Barnabas and John Mark went to Cyprus. Now, in Acts or Galatians chapter two, verse thirteen, part of the verse says, "Even Barnabas was carried away with what Peter had done in this taking sides or showing partiality to the Jews instead of the Gentiles, Jews over Gentiles. And Barnabas got carried away in that event as well. So he wasn't perfect. And he had a disagreement with Paul. But yet, you know, he was, let's read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 
2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 18 and 19. 2 Corinthians 8, 18 and 19. It says, And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. And not only that, but who is also chosen, who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind. Paul is talking about Barnabas, that Barnabas is one who went with him. He speaks well of Barnabas after the disagreement. After Paul, uh, Barnabas is carried away with what Peter had done, Paul speaks highly of him, commends him. From 33 AD in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 4 until this time, when this was written about 27 years later, What's Barnabas done? He's done right. He has patiently continued to do good. Day after day after day. And so that's what I'm supposed to do. Let's read Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Verses 36 through 40. Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 40. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydia was near Joppa, then the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent two uh, men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the windows stood, all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she got up. So here's Dorcas. She's full of good works and charitable deeds, it says. She made the tunics and garments for other people. Patient continuance and do. You don't make a garment in a day, I don't think. I never sewed a garment. But she's full of good works and charitable deeds. You keep on and on and on in doing those things that are right. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 20, but declared first to those in Jerusalem and throughout, throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God and do works befitting repentance. Of course, we start in the middle of a thought, but that's okay. Paul is before, he's making a defense uh, before he goes to Rome. And he's telling the Gentiles that they should repent. And so the classical definition of repentance is turn to God. Stop doing what you're doing. Turn to God and then do works befitting repentance. Do works befitting repentance. You do right. Do God strive to do those things. It, do, it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come, some of it doesn't come natural. But you just do it. You do what's right. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, 
verses 18 and 19. 19. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for, for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Be rich in good works, ready to give. Will, could be just time, effort, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that we can lay hold on eternal life, that we can reach that goal that's mentioned in Romans chapter 2 and verse 7. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. To do what's right. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58. Well, that didn't work out too good, did it? I don't know how to get out of that. That's good. I'm cool. That's okay. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, that whatever we do, God will not forget. Be steadfast, immovable. Not taken off the path to the right or to the left, as we talked about last week always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's what he expects. That's what we're supposed to do. In 1 Corinthians, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience. Not stopping. Always going forward. Always doing what the Lord wants you to do. Patient continuance in doing good. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love. Psalm 37 verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and do good. That's always what he's expected. One reason I pulled one of the Old Testament scriptures out. Do good. That's what he always wants. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, he says, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. That we endure and do the will of God and receive promise. The reward always comes after the faithful life. In Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In due season, reap and not lose heart. Do what God says do. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 10, this is a long verse. not going to read all of it. just going to read part C, although it's not labeled C. But it says, be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto death. Even if it costs you your life, do what the Lord said do. 
just keep on going. Continue to do what the Lord wants you to do. I know I'm talking to those who have put on Christ in baptism. But we are still continuing, still to continue to do what God said to And as I mentioned, we've talked about holiness and the goal of perfection. And now we need to strive to do daily what God has set out for us to do. To help you, or you help me, or help somebody, whatever. Or teach those who are lost, whatever. Teach those who are saved, whatever. But that's what we're, that's what God demands, actually. And if we want that reward, we'll have to conform to him, not he to us. If you need to respond to the gospel call, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?